From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the new Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. Ryan Hadarian, and he is the CEO of Forefront Media, bringing a new film to South Africa called Persian Lessons. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review. Thanks for having me. So this film is called Persian Lessons, and it's about a a man who escapes um, escapes being killed by the Nazis uh, by by claiming to be a Persian, uh, not not a Jew, then. Uh, teaching the teaching the commandant of the camp uh, Persian, except there's one problem: is that he can't speak Persian. Uh, and 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 the story unfolds about about how he has to survive whilst not necessarily being able to speak the language that he is talking about. It's an absolutely fascinating concept for a film. Uh, what inspired the, the creation of it in the first place? Interestingly, the film, uh, it, the trailer, the film itself, it talks about being based on a true story. There was actually a book that was written um, in, in the German language about an episode like this, um, which was the genesis for the story. But when you read through uh, the director's statements about the film, he talks about how this was an amalgamation of so many stories like this, where an individual has to, through wit and grit and in a way conniving to try to stay alive, come up with a way to deal with the most ridiculous and atrocious situations that are faced them during the Holocaust. And that's where the film came from. Uh, one of the things that blew me away when I first found out about the project and was reading it at the script level was the big twist at the end of the story where, you know, we realized don't that- away, guy, Don't give it away. Don't give it away, okay. <laughs> but there is a twist. <laughs> There's a lovely twist that, that, you know, brings tears to your eyes when you realize that it's a true story, true story and that this, uh, individual survived by trying to come up with words and having to remember 3000 plus words that he was making up and, uh, and, and doing that in a way only by uh, looking at the individuals that were being killed in the camp that he happened to be surviving and, and turning their names into words. Now, uh, you are a, a distributor of the film. The, the film is interesting in that it's, uh, it's I, I suppose, a, a foreign production. All the productions are foreign if you're from South Africa, unless it's a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, unless you're, it's a South African film. But, but it's, it's not an American production, right? It's actually from, from Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these stories where uh, it's got multiple languages in it. So there's German and French and this fake Farsi or Persian. Um, it has a Canadian director who... I have been tracking for many years. He was the Oscar nominated, uh, or he was the director of the Oscar nominated film, The House of Sand and Fog, if you recall that film from, I don't know, 17 years ago with Ben Kingsley. And he, uh, I guess comes back from a Russian background. And so the originating producers were Russian. Um, but it became a German, French, uh, <laughs> Canadian co-production in a way with so many financing sources being part of telling this story. And you've also got quite a, um, an interesting cast for, for the, for the movie. Uh, people who've also been involved with other kinds of Holocaust related movies previously. Yes. I mean, you know, when you read through the, the notes on the film, one of the, the, the most interesting things for me was 
the gentleman who plays the Jew who is faking the language is actually an Argentinian who speaks Spanish and, you know, Italian and French, but didn't speak any German and ends up learning German so that he could speak to the commandant in the, in, in the film. And supposedly I don't speak German. The accent is <laughs> amazing. And so, you know, it's kind of one of those situations where all of the elements that come together to make a film end up creating the synergistic uh, situation where it becomes so much better than the parts that make it up. Yeah, and 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 you get the sense that it's uh, as much a, a Holocaust film as it is a sort of suspense drama, very much about the relationship between the prisoner and the commandant. Um, in the tradition of, of some of these films, as you say, people trying to stay alive uh, in, in 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 really horrendous circumstances. So true, and and there's even laughter in it too. You know, I mean, one of my favorite quotes that we pulled for the marketing was that you know they say it definitely mixes suspense laughter and tears you know so uh it's it's such a lovely lovely story that that pulls at all the different emotions i mean it really is a, a wonderful experience for for a viewer who gets a chance to see it particularly on the big screen i actually happened to see the it at its premiere at the berlin film festival and was so blown away by it you are mainly involved in the distribution of the film is that correct that's correct and, and you actually have uh, some background not in these type of films, but but you've done distributions of of uh, of, of films with, with with sort of more serious themes in the in in the past. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we've tried many different things in the films that we acquire and bring to cinemas and video on demand platforms and and the TV operators in South Africa or actually across the continent of Africa. Um, and you know, the stuff that really works financially is the stuff that's driven by cast and, you know, is either action or some kind of genre that the audiences love going out for. But there are those films that are so special that, you know, you don't care and you say, I'm going to bring this so that audiences can see it. And, and this is one of those films where, uh, it's not for commercial reasons that we jumped on boards necessarily as much as for the beauty of the film. Uh, what it says, how it makes an audience feel, and and the need for us to to have content like this out there. And I mean, I think it's it's fantastic and uh, and and good to have, as you say, these sorts of films in in South Africa uh, at the moment. Um, I imagine that, particularly for these kind of films, that the that the, the issue of COVID must be must be a serious uh, factor that inhibits the ability to actually get it out there. You know, COVID has been really interesting for all of us. I think the whole world over, anyone dealing with uh, showing films in cinemas. Um, South Africa, interestingly, I mean, being at the lower level lockdown right now, still has, you know, there are still restrictions with regards to the number of people that can congregate in an interior space. But, um, you know, we're seeing people are going to the cinema, just not nearly at the levels that they had been you know, pre-COVID. And so we're all adjusting. We're trying to figure out ways of um, still surviving in the midst of, of this pandemic that's affecting not only this business, but so many other businesses. Um, and hopefully, you know, those who don't actually get to the cinemas will catch it on, you know, the video on demand platforms, iTunes and Google Play as as we move forward. So this this film has also gotten a number of awards around the world. Uh, as you say, it was at the Berlin Film Festival, a number of of, of, of sort of Russian awards. So actually, what, what has been the, the the reception in terms of people going out there enjoying it, and also at the at the critic level? Well, interestingly, it, this is going to be the first English speaking territory to release the film. 
So it hasn't been released yet in the UK or the US. Everyone has been, you know, holding back, trying to figure out the situation with cinemas. The, the primary release has been in its home territories of France and Germany. And so all those reviews are obviously in those other languages, except for the ones that we pick up from the film festivals. And the reviews have been fantastic. Um, you know, that one quote I shared with you, uh, really impressed me and moved me. Uh, another one that I really liked so much was, you know, it says it's the most deeply identifiable Holocaust centered performance since Adrian Brody appeared in The Pianist. I mean, we all love that movie and, and remember it so dearly and he won an Oscar for it. So it's really spectacular to have it compared, uh, to that film and to that performance in particular. All right, you've helped me here so much because when I was trying to prep for the film, I couldn't find anything that I could read that was in English and I couldn't understand why. So now there that makes go. so much more sense. <laughs> yes, I think the South African uh, media will be probably the first English-speaking um, media to, to cover the film. Well, there English, you go. You know. there's, there's a first. Why, so, so why would you choose South Africa as, 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 a, as a first place to, to test a film like this? Well, you know, we acquire rights to films constantly uh and we do it a year two years in advance so this was a film that we picked up off of the script you know we had seen the script um had done a lot of business with the very very prolific and multi-award winning company memento you know they won the oscar for still alice and they did you know rust and bone and cold in july a fant- a number of, of re- actually they didn't do rust and bone my apologies but they've done a lot of films and we've done those films with them and so when we had acquired this film it must have been a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and there comes a decision when they finally deliver the film. The film is finished, it's ready, and you can release it. And so we just have to make a commercial decision of how long do we wait until we put the film out. And we decided, enough waiting. Let's get it out there. And that's why now, we pulled the trigger. I'm also fascinated here about the relationship between, given that the current political climate, you know, to have a film about Germany or Germans uh, and a film about, you know, you, you refer to it in the full, in the film as Persia, as Farsi, but, but a lot of the discussion is around Tehran, which is, you know, what we would now call Iran. And, uh, it's, it's very interesting that, uh, that those two sort of, uh, political issues, one of a historical importance, but one of a, a very current and, uh, and contemporary issue about the, the role that Iran plays in, in, in politics and and with Europe and Germany uh it's an interesting intersection that that the film is is actually talking about at this current moment it's so true I mean with regards to to how it impacts today it's it doesn't in any way but what's fascinating is to know that this commandant his escape plan was to go to Iran right his plan was after the war he was going to go to Tehran and open a German restaurant and in fact his brother had actually left Germany during the war and had moved to Tehran. So that was his whole plan, which is the reason, the catalyst for the whole story of how these two lives end up intermingling. Because he has said, I will give anyone a reward to all the guards if they find me a Persian. And so when they're about to execute this um, this chap, uh, this Belgian, he starts, he I'll set it up quickly. Like, I mean, you see it in the trailer at, as well. At the very beginning of the movie, uh, we open inside of a truck, in, inside of a lorry packed with... Uh, Folks who are basically being taken to their death. And he is opening a little sandwich to eat that he's got in his jacket. And the guy sitting next to him is like, I will trade you this precious book I have for that sandwich. He's like, what is that book? He's like, look, this is what my tenants paid me with. It's a very famous historical book about Iran. 
and he looks at it and then he sees some, you know, foreign script in there. He's like, what is that? He goes, that, that means Baba. And he's like, what is that? He goes, that means father. He's like, all right. And then he trades the guy, gives him half his sandwich and he takes the book. And sure enough, the truck pulls over, they pull everyone out and they line him up to, to shoot everyone. And so our hero drops down and pretends he got shot. And the guards notice and they go over and they kick him. They say, this guy's lying. And he starts screaming and saying, no, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Persian. I'm a Persian. And then one of the other guards stops the situation and says, wait a second. Didn't the commandant back at the camp say he'd give us a reward if we found him a Persian? He's like, yeah, he did actually. And so they pick this guy up and take him to the, to the commandant back at the, at the camp. And he, and this is how the story starts. He realizes that he will be spared. Uh, but now he's got to make up this language that he knows nothing about. Um, so it's really fascinating, fascinating conflict. Right. When, when is the movie sort of reaching South Africa? How are you intending to show it uh, to audiences? Uh, you know, what, what is the rollout like here? As of Friday, uh, it will hit the cinemas in South Africa. Stir Kinnikor, um, the website there, you can see it in its coming soon section. They haven't posted the actual sites, but my assumption is it will be all the Cinema Nouveau sites. So you'd have it in Rosebank and the one in Pretoria and, and and Cape Town, I know the Lobbyer will also have it. It will be select cinemas. It won't be a massive rollout the way you would see a Liam Neeson movie, but um, it'll be viewable in that way, at least for the next month or so, month and a half, however long audiences continue to see it in the cinema, it will survive. Um, this is the business that we're in. You know, if, if people don't go see it in that first weekend or the second weekend, uh, films get pulled off. So it's really up to audiences to keep it around. Um, we remember, you know, we had a film, which was still Alice that ended up lasting for almost two months, two and a half, three months. And so hopefully that happens with this film. And as soon as that run of the cinemas is over, we will unlock the video on demand and it will end up on iTunes and Google play. We would have loved for it to be on the box office uh, platform, but they've indicated now that they will no longer take the subtitled films. Uh, so <laughs> I guess audiences in South Africa have really shown that they, they want to see the English language, big star, big Hollywood stuff a lot. And when so, you say box office, is that, you, you know, DSTV like, has that platform DSTV. box office. Okay. Correct. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. Fine. So, uh, so yeah, in fact, I must say, Ryan, just as a, as an aside, you know, I, I do I do watch DSTV films and, and also have Netflix. And I've seen even just within the viewing habits of my own family, the extent to which international films are becoming something that people are watching. Uh, Turkish melodramas and German uh, and you know German German history films and uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of Swedish stuff from Scandinavia. Uh, it, it's it's actually remarkable what some of the viewing on-demand platforms have done for these sorts of foreign language films. It's absolutely true. I mean, one of the films, one of the series that, that I was pointing out in my arguments, trying to say, look, you got to keep putting uh, foreign language stuff on your platform, DSTV, uh, is Lupin, which, you know, is a French kind of action heist series that was in the top 10 in South Africa, but it was French. The difference is they're doing English dub now. So pretty much all of the Netflix stuff, you can watch it with an English dub, which surprisingly, I guess South African audiences are tuning into rather than watching or reading the subtitles. Um, I, I tell me, did your family, are they watching it or your friends, are they watching it with the subtitles or are they listening to an English dub of these films and series? I mean, it's actually, it's fascinating that we're even having this discussion because I was just talking to my mom about it the other day. Uh, and she, you know, she's very into, as I said, Turkish melodrama. Uh, winter sun and all of these sorts of things. And she actually prefers the, uh, 
she prefers the subtitles when they're done well, because uh, you can have some pretty poor subtitling sometimes. Uh, but it's good to know. But but I think uh, you know I actually think that there's a big debate because some people feel like it's a you know the, the the dubbing of the English sometimes just look sounds stupid because it's a sort of an accent within English and you don't you realize that it's not this is not how an Italian speaks or a French person speaks it's just English with a weird accent. Uh, so, but I, I do get the sense that South Africans are not necessarily the world's biggest subtitlers. They prefer, they prefer to listen to the films, uh, in general. That, that, that was just my impression. I, I'd love to know, uh, from, from our listeners, three, four, five, one, nine. When you, when you watch a movie, uh, do you prefer the subtitles or do you, do you prefer the, the, the dubbing? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think DSTV is missing a trick there if they don't want to film like this on the, uh, on, on the, on the channel. And I'm sure there would be a, a huge, demand for it. Yeah, they've actually taken a number of films previously that we had released that were, you know, for example, we had the Oscar winning The Salesman, and that did exceptionally well in our opinion uh, when we were seeing the revenues coming in um, given that it was an art film it won the Oscar um, but, you know, there's this trend, that we've seen it in and out, we've had the times when they say we will take it, then they've opened a stream that says we, you know, we won't take it, and then they open a stream that says we will have foreign language titles so at this moment right now uh, they're, they're not interested in kind of foreign language content and want to really focus on family and, you know, action and that kind of stuff. So, you know, un- unfortunately it forces us as distributors to start to focus on that kind of content when it comes to what we acquire because the pay TV platforms are such a big part of our, our business, um, in recouping our costs. But movies like this, Persian lessons, hopefully will buck the trend. I remember, you know, I don't know. 15 years ago, there was a beautiful film called As It Is In Heaven. It was a Swedish film. And when I finally caught it, it was at the cinema in South Africa. It was on circuit for nine months, that film. Off of two (laughs) copies, they had made, I don't know, a couple million, which was unheard of. But it just goes to show when a movie works, when people respond to it, they will continue to go see it. And they'll watch it over and over and they'll tell their friends. Just the question now is, will COVID allow that to continue to happen? We'll find out <laughs> soon enough. Well, we are certainly will. Ryan, it, good luck uh, with the film. Uh, if you're within the sound of my voice, please do go see it. I think it sounds absolutely fascinating. Ryan Hodarian, he is the CEO of Forefront Media, talking to us about Persian lessons, uh, uh, an interesting upcoming Holocaust film. Ryan, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck with the movie. Thank you. Bye-bye.